The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beal. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal. Welcome to Living Well. My name is Ann Beal, and my guest today is Susan Cook, executive producer for Little Wolf Productions Incorporated. We are talking to her today about a new documentary she is producing, and we want to hear more about her, how in the world she got into directing and producing, and being such a successful woman. Good morning to you, Susan. Good morning, Anne. Thank you for that introduction. Wow. Well, you do have so many accolades with your name. I was reading um, all the things people have said about you and people who have worked with you, and you are really a great woman. Well, I need to read that stuff. I haven't read it. <laughs> you haven't read it. You don't want to get too big on yourself, so you don't read your own reviews, huh? No. No. Okay. Well, let's start out. Um, you were born, were you born in Kansas City? Because you're in Kansas City today. I have lived here for 14 years, but I was born and raised in Oklahoma City. Oh, yes. Of course. Oklahoma uh, yes. And you are from a Native American Creek family, Creek Indian? I'm a half Muscogee Creek Indian, so I was raised with a very white Baptist mother, French and um, Irish, and then my father is Muscogee Creek. So I grew up with a very wonderful and rich spiritual tradition. And you have brown hair and freckles, or is it red <laughs> hair and freckles? A very, a very white mother. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, you know, I know you're Native American, and I heard that. But when I met you, I thought she she looks kind of French. I mean, you've got the freckles and the the light light brown reddish kind of hair, and uh, and, and so I when I heard more about your background, it's fascinating about your dad and his connection to the Tears of Trail Trail of Tears and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's got to be interesting growing up with that background. You know, my uncle was also our shaman, and we invited him into our home often, and he lived with us several times. And I was a little girl, and, and my, my uncle's daughter and I would sit at the top of the stairs and listen to him chant and do incantations. It was really fascinating. And then my mom would be running around the house going, oh, my God, we're going to hell. I mean, it was just a, <laughs> a really interesting and rich background that I have. And I'm so grateful that um, I was raised with two worlds. Wow. Yes. And your dad, um, he became a Methodist minister. He was actually uh, a young man um, in our church. We had a tribal town in Okemo, Oklahoma called Tatapko, and he was a Methodist minister as a very young man. And then he started working for our tribe and various things. And then he went back to ministering when he was um, 
45 years old, and then he retired from the Methodist ministry. He went to, to Methodism because, um, really, Methodism is very liberal and, and can tend to be more spiritual and have a personal relationship with God rather than just follow dogma. Now, your dad also, when he talks about your grandfather, or the shaman, um, is that your grandfather? No, my uncle. Your uncle, who is the shaman. A lot yeah. of people don't know what a shaman is. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, our shaman is our is our medicine man. He's our leader. He's our healer. So he's you have a, a patriarch in a sense that you go to when you have spiritual problems, and he will go on a journey, a quest journey, and seek out um, seek out the answers for you. And he can also take you on one. Um, but he was a, a very powerful man. In fact, they invited him to the opening of the Smithsonian. When um, when they had the opening, and his name was Fairheart, he can be Googled, and he's written books, and he's just a fascinating character. Now, one of the books that um, that I've read that's just the bear about Bearheart um, and his life. What is the name of that book? I can't remember. <laughs> it's called. Oh, bear. Oh, gosh. Oh, I can't believe it. It's so good. So if it comes to you during the show, just blurt it out so that people can hear it because they will love that book. Because okay. I think I think what's so interesting uh, when you learn about him is that he used his shamanism in a hospital and was on staff in a hospital um, with medical regular MD staff that respected him and believed in his abilities to heal and treat as a medicine man. Right. So I wish just I could expound more on that, Anne, but um, he, was, he was just, he was my uncle, you know, how you're close to somebody in your family and you really don't look at all their accolades, they're just there. And that's how there. it was for, for my uncle. Um, so I don't know a lot about his accolades. Right. Oh, well, I, I tell you, the book was fascinating. Um, and I think as Christians, a lot of people's minds aren't really open to healing and the ability of just what the knowledge of the Native Americans just in general and their healing practices and how valuable and relevant they are to the Christian world and the Christian life um, and, and just the spiritual life. And so for me, it really it really opened my eyes to a lot of that. And your dad, of course, he did our wedding, and we had a Native American wedding. So it was kind of cool. And so uh, I've really enjoyed that, uh, knowing you guys. Well, the one thing that I did learn from, from him and were fortunate enough to learn from my father um, is healing and that um, most of our, our medicine today, um, 70% of it is derived from, from plants. And so I was fortunate enough to have the, the I don't know, the, uh, the the skill, the desire to go and learn all about naturopathy and um, learn about the healing aspects of plants. And so I got that from both my uncle and my dad. It's just, you know, when when you have when you have a culture and it's um, it's a spoken culture, you have the oral history, you learn about. You learn about different aspects of family. That's the one that I grabbed hold of. And I'm glad. I, uh, you ever get sick, you let me know. Oh, I will. Yeah, you would know what to do. I know that. Well, okay, so let's talk a little bit about how you went on this 
this road and this journey from growing up in Oklahoma City to becoming what you are today as the executive producer, co-founder of Little Wolf Productions and working on this documentary. Can you um, kind of give us a, a kind of a work us up from the time you were young to now in, you know, 10 minutes? <laughs> um, in 10 minutes. Um, sure. Um, I... You know, my mom used to get exasperated with me and she'd say, what are you going to do? You've got to do something, one thing for the rest of your life. What are you, when are you going to figure that out? And I said, Mom, I hope I never figure that out. There's so many things I want to do. So when I was very young, I, um, I was a gymnastics coach and I, uh, I coached people from uh, five different states. Um, and I, I wanted to see the world. I wanted to understand people and... Um, visit different cultures. So, you know, I did Mexico, I did Canada, and then when I was 25, I took a trip to Egypt by myself, and I hooked up with a group there, and I spent three weeks there just traveling around and, and eating with the people and just immersing myself in that, of the most amazing culture. And I, I've tried to do that um, in many places on this planet because I just had this sense that we're all connected. We're all one people, and um, the only thing that separates us is our, you know, our cultures, our religious ideas. But basically, when you strip us down of all that, we all have the same fears. We all have the same desires, you know. Um, so I just wanted to understand people. And um, then I opened up a, a bookstore and, and read voraciously, just read, read, read. I ate books, read more about people. And then an odd thing happened. Um, I took a temp job and learned about computers. And I became a, um, what you call a land administrator, a systems administrator. And from there, I went on to project management and into the corporate world. So I went from knowing nothing about computers to um, to project management and system development. I had a team of, um, of 10 and seven developers and then um, three land administrators or system administrators. So I learned about project management. And project management is, is interesting. It's one of those skills that ports over to many different areas in your life. I started running international conferences. I, I would put on big conferences like it, one at UCLA, one at Salt Lake City, and have people come in from all over the world and have speakers. And my project management skills allowed me to do that. Well, and, I, can, um, I, I know that um, that explains no. a lot about why you speak so well in front of groups. Because you are an exceptional speaker. Oh, thank you. And I, I actually love to speak. I, I love to share information. And I like to give people information that um, that they don't have. And I also like the shock factor because I feel like when you shock people, they remember it better. When you they do. People, uh, they do. remember <laughs> it. So you went well, from being in gymnastics like me, a fellow gymnast, to a bookstore. Did you own the bookstore? I did. Oh wow! And then to um, computers and land uh, land networking, the local area network—that's what that term means. Um, and I haven't been in computers in a long time as an engineer, but I do know what that means. <laughs> and to project management and speaking in front of groups and organizing events, or what else? Um, 
Yeah, there's there's one thing that I skipped. I, I worked for an advertising agency for oh. quite a few years, and <clears throat> I did their their radio. So I wrote radio, and I hired the talent, and I directed the talent, and that was just so fun. And that's the the creative aspect of writing. I went to school for journalism, and that's really what I wanted to do. Um, so I skipped all around that, and now I'm back to the creative aspect of my life of um, of writing and directing. You want me to tell that story? Wow. Yeah, I I but advertising and radio makes a lot of sense too. And I I want people to um and I know a lot of people that have lived it understand this that your life takes on quite a bit of life going from learning what you don't want to do to finding out what you do want to do. And it sounds like to you you have experienced so many different kinds of jobs in areas that you finally found what you love, which is the writing and directing. How did you, you figure know, that out? Well, um, I was fortunate enough to realize that um, life is like this big university. And for me, we're here to learn as much, as much as we can. And so whenever I was in a situation that I didn't like, I would say there's a lesson in here somewhere. Just learn the lesson and then you can get out of it. And that was exactly how I felt about project management. I'm a creative person. And so when I had to learn Gantt charts and spreadsheets and budgets, I'm just going, oh, I can't believe this. But the whole time, I'm realizing that this is going to be valuable and I'm going to be able to use it at some point in my life. So when I left the corporate world and I was able to explode in my creativity because of the skills that I had learned, um, I just, wow, you know, this last decade has just been the best decade of my life because I've been able to understand that I, I can use the skills in my past. I am responsible for creating my life. Nobody else is, is responsible for that. If I'm unhappy, it's my fault, no matter what. Um, I'm not a victim and I can change anything. And so I took all the skills that, that I have gained through my life appreciate them all, pull them all together, and made the decision to take a risk and leave an incredibly well-paying job and believe in myself. And so um, I jumped off the cliff, so to speak. That's very scary. It was extremely frightening, but I had faith. I have faith in God, and because I have faith in God, I have faith in myself. I wouldn't say faith. I have I have trust trust in myself, and I'm able to have um, you know enough self worth and self esteem to understand that failing is okay, and you learn from failing. But I haven't failed yet. You know, we should all fail. Fail failing's a good thing. You learn from it. But um, so far, I've just bloomed and um, really try to share that with a lot of people, especially women. Especially um, women, yeah. Because women often uh, don't, especially in the writing directing field, and, uh, you know, just really believing that their dream is valid and that their passion isn't silly, um, women often will uh, let that go and follow um, someone else's dream for them, and follow someone else's dream for their own life and be a part of that instead of holding on to their own dream. 
and That's chasing that. And I, I um, you mentioned about failing. Uh, yeah, it's not failing because you get back up and you go again and you tweak your life and you alter some things that didn't work and you jump in again. You know, and and uh, John Maxwell has this great book that he came out with last year called "Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn," and he has "Lose" <laughs> marked out with a with a "Learn" above it. And he wants in that book for people to understand that when you lose or you fail or whatever you call that, that is just the beginning of learning, and to take that and make it a learning experience and go in again with a fervor of life that sounds like you did. Yeah, and I believe it's vital, very, it's very vital. vital. So after break, when we come back, we want to get into uh, how you went forward in that writing and advertising and jumping off the cliff following your dream. I know you do other things as well as that that kind of all go together because you travel all – every time I talk to you, you're in some other country or some other place in the world. And so, I mean, you've been more places than anyone I know every time I talk to you. Um, and so we'll get back with Susan Cook, writer, director, producer, as soon as we get back from commercial. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. For 27 years, Kidstar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now we have the opportunity to empower children around the world. Kidstar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. Kidstar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter, you pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Rinsley from Indy on Voice America Kids. I want to thank you for being a backer of our Kickstarter, Voyager. Kickstarter, we empower kids. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is Ann Beal, and I have Susan Cook, executive producer for Little Wolf Productions, um, on the phone 
in Kansas City, Missouri. And she is sharing with us uh, in the last segment about she had gone from gymnastics to owning a bookstore to going into computers to project management, advertising, and radio. Had a great job, but decided to jump off the cliff and follow her dreams and passion. Welcome, Susan. Welcome back. Thank you. So you have to share with us what makes you happy. What is that passion you jumped off the cliff for? You know, I was working in the corporate world, and I was making more money than I ever dreamed of. And I was working 50, 60 hours a week, and I wasn't happy. You know, money didn't make me happy. I had a beautiful home. I drove a beautiful car. Everything I needed, but I wasn't happy. And the one thing I know about myself is what makes me happy is service work and helping other people and helping other people learn how to make themselves happy and to um, to grow in their own life. And so I started, I, I decided that dedicating myself 100% to, to service work and nonprofit work was what I was going to do. And I was already doing some service work uh, with an, a nonprofit called Truth Seekers. And Truth Seekers is an organization that takes kids that are kind of at risk. Um, we've had kids that were on the verge of suicide. We've had kids that were, were running away. They weren't, they weren't off the cliff yet, but they were teetering on the brink. And so we started um, a program about 15 years ago teaching meanings and values. And so when you help a, help a child <clears throat> discover what their values are on their own, we don't give them our values, we help them explore, you know, what are your values? And when they say honesty and listening and loving my family and those kinds of things, then we, we help them try to live those values. And when they live those values, we explain and we show them how the meaning in their life changes, how they actually get a meaning in their life. A lot of kids walk around going, why am I on this planet? Why am I here? <laughs> yeah, most of so, them just don't have any idea exactly like what they're what their meaning is or what their purpose is. What if one of the kids said, uh, animals, I love animals. You know, we, we have three areas of values and animals would be in a column of a value that we don't deal with, but what's the value around animals? So a value around animal might be love. It might be caring. It might be comforting the animal. So we, we, that, that's, that's the area that we deal with. We deal with, we deal with values that are accessible to everyone because not every kid can have an animal. So if we're in a group and one kid, you know, their parents won't let them have an animal, then mm-hmm. that's not a value that's accessible to them. Which is so very important because if you come at it from another perspective, which a lot of people do, they'll just say, oh, you should be a veterinarian. And they're missing the point. They're missing the values in that. Which is which is why we... We come back, we have a Facebook page, and, and these kids are really connected. And, you know, yeah. they do. I forget what this thing is called, but, you know, they're, they're on their cell phones all the time sending out group messages and talking about the values that they learned. And we help them build community. And we take them to a forgiveness exercise, and we explain that not forgiving only hurts you. And not forgiving is very poisonous. So we take them through all these different levels. And so I really focused on on truth seekers and 
um, helping kids and, of course, you know, putting events together. I'm, that's, that's one of the things that I do. So I put groups together, and I have a relationship with these kids, and I'm just in love with them. And these kids are anywhere from 14 to 23. Now, is that what you travel all over the world doing? Um, well, all over the country, uh, not, all, not all over the world. We, uh, we developed a, pro- a product called Spiritual Vitamins. You can go to spiritualvitamins.us, and you can look at them. But they're little squalls, and they're almost like a fortune cookie, but they're on really nice paper and really beautiful colors and in different categories. So we sell these boxes. They have 90 spiritual vitamins in it, and, and we suggest people open one up a day. You open it up, and it has a quote anywhere from Martin Luther King to Jesus to Gandhi to Jimi Hendrix. So I'm not kidding. He said some good stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. We have these in our lobby at our clinic. Um, we have those. And people are always asking where they can get more. And so they are really fascinating, and it's a fascinating idea. Yeah, and, and you know what's great is um, Tom and I have a, a ritual where every morning we drink our tea and we read three spiritual vitamins. I pick three for him, he picks three for me, and we read them and we discuss the deeper meaning underneath every vitamin. So we don't just read them and go to the next one. We, we've deepened our relationship because of spiritual vitamins. And everywhere we go, we bring spiritual vitamins and, and we do it with the people that we're with. Um, where was I? I just got back from Los Angeles last night, and we did spiritual vitamins. Um, I think I think it was in the middle of the night, if I'm correct. <laughs> I appreciate that you pushed through and came on the show. Um, so I did talk to you not very long ago, and you were in Turkey. That is another country. Oh, yeah, what were you yeah. doing over there? Um, so Turkey is where spiritual vitamins is. Um, all the work is done. So we have a man named Bill Rocap that, uh, under our direction, he's the creative director. And so he got all the boxes printed. Uh, all the artwork was pressed down. We had a, an artist named uh, Nora do the artwork here, but we had everything printed over in Turkey. And the wonderful thing about that is we're able to give back to Muslim women in that community because a lot of Muslim women aren't allowed out of their home to work. And so this is a way for women to help add additional income to their family. And we have one woman, she's around 30, and her husband got cancer. He can't work, so she rolls spiritual vitamins. We have another woman who doesn't have a husband who died, and she rolls spiritual vitamins. And then they have this community. You all have a grandmother and a mother and kids and sometimes husbands, and they all sit in this big room watching television rolling our vitamins. And um, we pay them by how many they roll. And so they can take a day or they can take a week. And that's, um, that's how we do it. And we pay far less to the printers and, um, and the box manufacturers in Turkey. And yet they, we pay the exact same that they would charge anybody over there. So they're making an income, and we're able to keep our prices low. Wow, that's great. We went sure. over there and we met some of these women, and uh, it's a beautiful country. People don't understand that Turkey is one huge mountain range after another, one incredible lake after another. It is so beautiful, and the people are are hungry for our acceptance and our kindness, and we really hung out with a lot of Turkish people. I think it's important um, that people understand it. One of the things that you did before you jumped off the cliff to take that risk to live the life you wanted, 
you had some money saved up, I tell you. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I had a nice little bank account. <laughs> yeah, nice bank account. And um, and I, I tried to share that with young people or anyone who's thinking about doing that, that, you know, plan it if you want to do that. If you start off from the beginning and you know what your passion is, you can build a business from there. You can get the income because when you're passionate about something, you're going to do it better than anyone. But most people, mm, they wander in life trying to find that. You know, they rule out things as they go based on what areas of things they do they don't like. And so they until they find exactly that one thing. And so, yeah, because I, I know to go right into service work, you would have had to have saved up quite a bit. Well, you know, it's it's wise if, if you want to quit your job, you need to have a job lined up, right? That's just an intelligent way to live your life. Don't quit a yes. job if you don't have another one. Um, I actually had planned my exit strategy, and I had been praying for uh, actually, you know, a few years. What can I do? Um how am I going to transition out of this? And so I saved 15% of my income in my 401k. So before, you know, before I received a paycheck, I paid myself. So 15% and I was also very actively involved in my own portfolio. So, um, you know, that was fun. <laughs> so I had you, quite, you a, quite a bit of savings um, before I walked out the door. So, yeah, even though I jumped off the cliff, I really didn't want to touch that. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up because I don't want people to think that, yeah, okay, I'm going to have faith and I'm just going to jump off the cliff and have no backup. You need to eat. Yes. And I, I know, but the great thing is, is that when you plan it, when you find it, if you don't have enough at that time to plan it. And I know one of the things I know I have friends that do life coaching for women in transition or people in transition, whatever the transition is that you want to leave one thing and go to another, whether it be a job or a marriage or whatever, plan, <laughs> plan. And so how do you do that? And so life coaches can teach you how to do that. And um, we, we teach people how to do that. And, but if you can possibly as a young person, Follow, know that it's okay, that's passion that you're made for. It's not silly, and follow it from the beginning. But a lot of people just don't believe in themselves that way. Sounds like you did. Now, how did you get from service work to the writing, directing, doing your documentary this time, everything? Um, I'm going to tell you that, but but I'm going to back up and, and say that if I had known about life coaching as a young as a young person when I was in college, and if I had been life coached, life would have been a lot easier. So I just want to put that out there. I believe in life coaching, and it doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're smart and you're partnering with someone and following a plan. So I just really, really believe in it. Um, I've done it. Thank you. And, and um, after you do it, that's what happens. Don't you think, oh, my gosh. You see a younger person. Because my, my husband just life coached a woman from Carnegie Mellon, and she was in grad school. I think she was like 19. Well, maybe, yeah, first year of grad school. And I, I couldn't help but think, oh, my gosh. If I had been life coached when I was in college or grad school, my whole life would have been so much easier, right? <laughs> Yeah, and isn't that funny that we think that because we're both like the ever ready bunny and we well, yes. probably think we never do enough and people go, My God, you're doing so much. You're going, Yeah, right. but we're not doing enough. 
Okay, so um, I um, one of the things that I do to actually earn an income is I represent a designer in California named Carol Anderson, and I I rep rep her line, and so I buy her line um, every twice a year, every season, and so I have women that are clients, and I dress them. So um, that that's really fun. I've met some incredible women because of the work that I do in that area. Well, some of my clients are FBI agents and law enforcement. And by this time, um, I, you know, let me back up. You asked me how I got into it. Um, I have a friend in New York named Peter Lawrence who um, is a documentary filmmaker. And he said, you are so miserable. I'm so tired of hearing you talk about your job and how unhappy you are. If you quit your job, then I will teach you everything I know about grant writing and documentary films. And I had told you that I had been praying for years about what to do next. Well, that Ah. was it. And he said, okay, I'll teach you. What do you you want to... uh, what do you want to film? Well, I was on the board of directors of something called Free Schools World Literacy, and Free Schools has opened 80 free schools in India and Thailand, and they're free schools to mainly girls because in India they they murder at birth about a million baby girls a year, and um, we wanted to go into India and offer to educate young girls, and so we did that, and we I decided I wanted to film that. And I have a trailer. Every email that I send out, I have a link to uh, the, underneath my name, and you click on it, and you get to see my film trailer, which is anywhere from three to five minutes. And so my FBI girls um, clicked on the link, and they looked at my free school's trailer. And so I'm over there getting ready to uh, to set up, and they said, hey, <clears throat> we saw your trailer. It was good. But we want you to come home. We need you. And they started telling me the story of when they do a thing sometimes for drugs, they'll find young girls that are imprisoned. And these are young girls, 12, 13, 14, that are being sold for sex. And I said, it breaks our heart because if there's no, no parental unit to take them back to, oftentimes we have to give them back to their camp because there's literally no long-term rehabilitation solution. There's nowhere we can take them. And um, we want you to come home because so many people send money to developing countries or they go over there not realizing that there's a horrible problem right here in our country. And so they were wanting you to come back to the U.S.? They wanted me to come back here and they wanted me to help them. They go, we want you, we need your help. We need you to tell people what's going on here. And so that's how it started. Wow. So that is how you embarked on the journey of the, even the documentary you're doing now. Right. Oh, good. Wow. So let's talk about that. When we get back from commercial, we'll break and come right back with Susan Cook, executive producer of Little Wolf Productions. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated. Hear about success stories and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. 
succeed. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you living your dream yet? If not, then why not? Everyone has a greatness inside of them to achieve what they deserve in their lives. But how do you find the motivation to get started? Tune in to Your Authentic Life with host Susan Cranston. Susan's advice, along with expert guests, will help you improve your relationships, start or change your career, and achieve the seemingly unattainable goal. Listen live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at voiceamericaempowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home, and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I have Susan Cook executive producer of Little Wolf Productions. We are just getting into her new documentary, how she got from doing uh, her service work after she left her longtime job um, and living her dream and passion, how she got from turkey and making the spiritual vitamins and everything to being asked by the FBI to come back home and produce documentaries for the would that be called the um, sex trade that's going on in the U.S.? Um, well, it's the the sexual exploitation specifically of children. Of children. And so over where you were filming in India before that, you were working with children. So you have a passion for children. I have a passion for all young people. Um, you know, I don't believe in, in victims. I believe once you hit a certain age, um, you know, you survive the real thing. You can get rehabilitated yourself, um, you know, when you're older. But kids don't really have a chance sometimes. And the horrific things that are happening to children in our country is unimaginable. And I yeah. learned about that. And, you know, it is such a stark contrast. The two things that you do when you say you're, you're working on this documentary for the exploitation of children, such a huge, huge uh, issue that is devastating and, and dark and part of our society that is just horrible, right? And, yeah. and on the other end, you are representing a designer 
and dressing women who, who you know, you dress me with those, the, those clothes and you make money from that. And that actual organization, Carol, um, what is her name again? Her name is Carol Anderson, and she's extremely giving and philanthropic. Exactly. And her, when you buy from her, her line of designer clothes, she has money from that go to exactly what you do now. Right. She's expanded some, but um, there are there are girls in other countries like China, um, I'm sorry, the Asian countries and in, in India, Africa, that um, they were sold as children. And then once they are no longer moneymakers, they're kicked out of the family, so to speak. And there are communities of these women. They're not marriageable. Their families don't want them anymore. So they live together. And... Um, the Carol's group would send sewing machines over and a trainer to to teach these girls how to sew and they'd find the, the most skillful and teach her how to be the teacher of others. And so when you whenever I, I make a sale, I will say to you, This is what we do. This is the philanthropic arm. I need you to round up to the nearest dollar so that we can give money to these women who who need your help. And uh, I've only been turned down twice in the seven years I've been doing this, and it was by the same woman. Thirty-eight cents and seventy-one cents. I'll never, that, I'll never forget. <laughs> that but, is, you know, I think I'm that is memorable. How about, about how about on the other it. side of that? Have you had people want to give more? Often, often people will give more. And finally, uh, uh, Carol's had her website or, or her her back end office designed so that we can now have a button. So if people want to give more, we just click on this little button. We put in how much they want to give. So used to be sorry, you can only you can only round up to a dollar, but now people can give as much as they want. But you know, this started with Hurricane Katrina, and uh, we help women in our own country too. We help women who who need help. It's it's all about Giving, and if you can think, if you can understand that when you help another human being, you're helping yourself. When you get outside of yourself and you're not thinking about yourself, that's about the only way you can be happy. Because if you're thinking about yourself all the time, um, there's just not a lot of good that comes from that. And I really believe, with all my heart, that that God needs people in order to do the work that He needs done. And if we can keep that mindset and we can look at others and be helpful and be of service and get ego out of the way and really work towards making this planet a better place and work with others that are doing the same thing, we'll make some progress. But we have a lot of work to do. And I'm very proud to to work with Cabby and Carol Anderson and being part of that change on this planet. One of the things that I've noticed about you with when you do all this, your health is so much better. So I know you've struggled with your health in the past. With an, is it an immune disorder, or how would you describe it? Um, I was diagnosed with with lupus um, several decades ago. They gave me a one in three chance of actually surviving ten years. Uh, but what I did is I started. I changed the way I ate 100%. I started meditating more. I started serving others. I completely changed my life. And I'm a rarity because I'm drug-free. You're drug-free. Mm-hmm. I'm drug-free. And it's not that I don't sometimes have down days. I do if I don't get enough rest, which is huge for me. 
But if I get enough sleep and I, I make sure that I do the regimen that I found, all the vitamins, all the herbs, which, you know, I told you earlier, I've done a lot of study, and that's why, because I wanted to heal myself. And food is either medicine or it's poison. That's just a fact. And that is why I'm drug-free. And following your passion is medicine, right? That, that's exactly right. And it is interesting. You're so vibrant now. I just can't even get over you. You are like the Energizer Bunny. (laughs) Unlike you. (laughs) (laughs) Like me. Yes. So that really, you know, Cabby, Carolyn, um, with her her design line, she makes it affordable, but it's very nice. And it it, it is, you know, it's not like being able to go to the store and buy clothes. It's a little more expensive than that. But it is um, a wonderful organization that you're a part of. And I, the, the things that you do, they all fit together so well. Um, and so that is how you, from there, you do the designing. Is, and when you think about the woman who didn't want to pay the extra 37 cents or whatever, her heart was not good or it was very self-focused. She may have just been, you know, there are people, if you're so wrapped up in your own problems, I mean, that you can get to the point. It's hard to look outside of yourself when you're in a lot of pain emotionally or physically. And so, um, but I think that the women who you're dressing you're trying to open their mind up more to the world out there, especially even in, with women, how should they can help these young women. And that goes right, right with your documentary, helping young women and children. Right, right. And, you know, I'm not selling clothes. I'm developing a relationship, and I'm being an example to women about how you can be happy, how you can follow your path. And, and this is just my way, but, but you can do it. And um, when I when I learned when I sat down with my law enforcement friend and they are friends and they pled with me to help them that their hearts were breaking. Uh, there's nothing that we can do um, to, to help these kids. I said, please just educate our nation, educate our law enforcement, so they quit arresting these little girls and putting them in juvie. Um, Educate them so that they don't let the buyer go and just slap him on the hand and um, make penalties greater for for the buyer and the pimp. And let's take care of these little girls. But right now we're still so, so far behind. So you just let me know when you want me to tell that story. Well, talk about your films. I want to get people to hear about your film. But uh, before we do that, can you let people know how to contact you? Sure. Um, my, my Facebook is... Um, Salonia underscore Littles, or the best way to find me is Susan Cook and my email. And my email is salonia at juno.com. And salonia is spelled S-O-L-O-N-I-A at juno, J-U-N-O dot com. So you can find me on Facebook that way, and then, you know, you can always call me. Um, And so Salonia at Little Wolf Productions, was that the other one? No, Salonia at Juno.com, and then I, I believe my Facebook page is Salonia underscore Little Wolf, but you can find me via my email. That's the best way. Awesome. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so tell us about your documentary. Um, I did not want to focus on the problem. I wanted to focus on the solution. Um, and when you think about our past, you know, think about way back when, uh, 150 years ago, maybe not even that long, when it was okay 
for children to be enslaved in our country and work in factories 12, 14 hours a day for almost no pay. Um, women got angry and said, this, no more, this is not right. And the men said, well, they're not our kids, why do I care? And the women said, every child is our child. And even back before women had a right to vote, women were powerful. If we get angry enough and if we get focused enough, we change things. So we got labor laws changed through our men. We got the right to vote. Mothers against drunk drivers. We change things when we get focused and we band together. Well, now we're looking at changing something, and that is not just um, human slavery, but specifically the, the enslavement of children. Children for sex in our country. These are our kids. And how did they find these kids? uh, I'm going to tell you that whole story. Good. (laughs) So when when my friends asked me to uh, beg me to to do this film, I searched the whole country for someone who was um, providing a solution. And the only state I found was the state of Georgia. And so I called a woman named Kathy McCullough, and I said, you know, this is what I'm doing, and I'm focusing on the solution. And she goes, wow, finally someone who's focusing on solution. 60 Minutes had called her two weeks prior and said, hey, we, we know that you're working. You're doing all this stuff. We want to come in, and we want to interview you. And she goes, what is the focus of your interview? And they go, we want to sensationalize the problem. we got to show people what's going on. She goes, well, we want you to focus on the solution. And they go, we're not interested in that. And she hung up. Yeah, it's not sensational enough. So when I uh, told her I want to focus on the solution, I want to find, I want to find a model that we can show and highlight so that other people can follow that model. She said, "Come on in," and she literally opened the doors, and we Good. came in and we started filming. <clears throat> now, here's what I've learned. It's too expensive now for for the pimps to go overseas or import children in, and they don't have to. They, pimps will go to high schools, middle schools, water parks, the most expensive malls, and find kids. So the pimps will either go shopping for these kids or they will hire a pimp assistant, you know, some good-looking guy or some popular girl, um, to um, go and um, find a young person that is low in self-esteem. So mm, that's the key, isn't it? The key is is low self-esteem because imagine a young girl, you know, her head down, she feels terrible about herself, and this good-looking guy coming up to me going, wow, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Do you have a boyfriend? And then he starts wooing her. He gets her number. He starts calling her, and he starts grooming her. That's the term. It can take a week. It can take three months. It doesn't matter. He's just learning all he can about her. He's finding the greatest weakness about her. And then once he's got all that, he'll introduce her to the tent if he's not the tent himself. Um, I'm going to get into some pretty um, graphic and and difficult um, topic. I won't get too graphic. But after the grooming process... um, let me just—I just, just want to let you know we have you. Uh, you only have about five minutes, or four minutes, and so if you can do it in that time, that would be great. No problem. Um, the 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 pimp uses the the uh, the most horrible thing that you can imagine. He says, 
this, she's she's raped. She's raped multiple times. That's the seasoning. And then the pimp says, if you don't do what I tell you, I'm going to kill your grandmother. I'm going to kill your little brother, you know, whatever it takes. So that's how they get the good girls from the good communities. Every child, no matter what color, what socioeconomic background, what religion, it doesn't matter. Any child is vulnerable, especially if their self-esteem is low. So you have those children that are being pimped out of their home during the hours that their parents may be at work because the pimp controls them totally. Then you have the throwaway child that's run away from a horrible situation, and they maybe start having survival sex just so that they can eat, and then they start being pimped. The the point is is that these are our children, and they're still going to school, a lot of them, and um, guys, American men, are buying these girls via a website. They order them up like a pizza. The pimp delivers them, and we don't have enough rules and regulations in place, enough laws in place, enough law enforcement that's available to take care of this situation, and it's up to us, the people, to band together to start solving this problem through education. We have to educate our kids. We talk to our kids about drugs, alcohol, sex, I hope. Yeah, but we don't talk to them about this too much. Right. And that's what we need to do. So, which is one of the reasons it's dangerous for kids to run away just because they're mad at their parents. They put themselves in very dangerous situations they don't realize nowadays. Before, it used to be, oh, they could get picked up for drugs or whatever. Now they could get taken for the sex trade. Right. A child is targeted by a pimp within 48 hours of leaving home. Right. So it's much more dangerous. And my pimps go trolling and they go shopping. And so right. if a young girl runs away and she's, you know, hanging out in the mall, a pimp knows it. In fact, these girls, have we've been in the mall, and they go, look, there's one, and he's targeting that girl over there. And they tell them what they want to hear, and they lie to them about what they're they're going to do with them, right? They're telling them, like, they'll put them in acting or what? Now, now you know, there's so many different ways. There's, there's books on the website, how to be a parent, right. how to destroy the self-esteem of a girl, whatever she needs to hear. And there are incredibly educated young girls, really smart, but, you know, they're still young, 14, 15 years old. They're, they all have low self-esteem. They all have image issues. Our media is horrible. And so the pimp just hones in on it. And, yeah, he'll say, you're going to be a star. And the girl's going to believe it. Well, and I think that those kinds of things, and they're on your website, those kinds of things, I can go there and read about that. What is your website again? It's littlewolfproductions.org. Littlewolfproductions.org. Susan, thank you so much for being on our show today and letting our listeners know all about this and this horrible event that's happening to these young people and girls um, thank you for your website that offers so much for people to go to. I uh, just appreciate you being on the show today. Listen, I appreciate you for letting me educate people and, and caring about this topic. I, I appreciate you so much, Anne. Thank you. And everyone, have a great day, and we look forward to seeing you next time here on Living Well. Thank you again for joining us. Living Well with Ann Beal airs live every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to see you again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 